what's going on? Pretty to good day, and welcome to Birds All Night, episode number 207. My name is Drew Fairservice. His name is Daniel Stokes, and we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays one week into the regular season. And let me tell you, uh, it's all that I that we dreamed of. It's all that we could uh, ever hope to be. Now, uh, uh, what did I, I said? I already said his name, so he's joining me as always. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, old Reliable. Uh, old Reliable, Mr. James Stoughton, how are you? I'm doing all right. You're doing all right. One week into the season. Um, are you already sick to death of it or what? No, I don't think so yet. No, that, I, I think good. it's, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. There's already, you know, I think we thought that it was going to be like a real sleepwalk of a, of a rebuilding year, evaluating different players, who's in and who's not in. Um, but there's been this really exciting tension in the season so far, and it's, will they ever get a hit? <laughs> um, which yeah. I think you can't uh, put a price tag on on that kind of um you know will they won't they oh my gosh it's just like a real ross and rachel situation oh you never know these two crazy kids are gonna get together blue jays and offense um but yeah it's been a week the offense looks like shit the pitching looks great because they played two and a half two just brutally terrible teams but it's all very exciting and beyond the fact that they've been playing games that matter for the first time, that they had a big thing at the home opener and, <laughs> and, and all the other stuff. More to the point, the most important thing, the thing that we really log on, the thing that we fire up Skype and plug in our USB microphones, transactions, baby. Oh, the transactions have been coming in fast and furious. Last week when we recorded uh, what ended up being our season preview episode, the Blue Jays had, uh, I believe, just made the Kendrys Morales trade, which, because of the internet, seems like it was 100 years ago, even though it was like a week. <laughs> and now uh, they played a bunch of games, and they've made another series of transactions, call-ups, demotions, and trades. None more notable, of course, than the Kevin Pillar trade. The Blue Jays shipping Kevin Pillar to the San Francisco Giants which was one of those deals that was a logical fit from the start and was kind of heavily rumored. And then, lo, it came to be. The Blue Jays, of course, received, in return for Kevin Pillar, three warm bodies. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, Alan Hansen, kind of a utility guy, infielder sort of person. Uh, Derek Law, Keith Law's large adult son. And uh, another guy who is uh, a prospecty type, DeLeon, is that his last name? No, it's no, not. It's not. What's, <laughs> what's the prospect uh, name? Jose DePaula. DePaula. I, no, so I was in the say I was in the right neighborhood. I mean, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. Uh, I'm double checking that I'm in the right neighborhood too, to be honest with you. But it's not DeLeon. Uh, either way, yes, you're absolutely right. Warm bodies. Uh, which is uh, actually kind of an incredible thing to get in return for Kevin Pillar in the year 2019, in the first week of April, in a weird trade at a time when, when trades never happen. But since Within, <laughs> since baseball's broken, I guess that's what we do now. Yeah, when, it, when two bad teams can get together and consummate a trade uh, in in barely barely April, then it's um you know a good sign. 
sign of health, a nice barometer for the state of the game. So Pilar, of course, fits into the Giants' plans because they needed uh, warm bodies themselves. Their outfield, pitiful, just a truly dire experience um, <laughs> in San Francisco. Uh, it, is, it, it is, by the way, it is Juan DePaula. So Juan we, were both, we were both wrong, perhaps equally, but I'm going to say you were more wrong than I was. I don't think that's unfair to say. <laughs> I was more wrong. I'm happy to admit when I am more wrong than usual. Um, but yeah, Pilar, uh, of course, now the, the, in the aftermath, there was uh, a series of um, you know, reflections upon Kevin Pilar's um, tenure, about the way that he conducted himself, the way that he was a real gamer out there playing every day, his sort of um, you know, 30-second round draft pick signed for 1000 bucks. I guess he, he used his entire signing bonus to buy a new iPhone. Um, and then lo and behold, he's like, you know, a beloved, beloved, now former Blue Jay, a guy who did a, did a, did a job and played, you know, seven, basically seven seasons. He's, he was the longest tenured Blue Jay before he was traded. And let me tell you, the, the, the reaction to the Pilar trade was even more than I expected from like the not traditional baseball audiences um people real mad about that one real real mad about kevin pillar getting traded did you find did you find that yes actually because because i mean i think i have successfully like muted and blocked most of those people i think actually (laughs) uh currently at any given time i think there's probably only about 500 people who are still currently using twitter uh, and so it actually turns out that it's really easy to mute and block uh, things that you don't want to hear, such as, oh, my God, Shatkins traded Kevin Pillar. See, that, that is the side of the trade that I did not personally see. I'm sure that happened. I'm sure that there are those folks out there who are so determined to kill the front office that any transaction that they make, any move, was, is a negative one. It's the wrong one. They, could, they can't win for losing in the eyes of many. Where I saw a, a, a very strong reaction was not among what you would call Blue Jays fans. It was not definitely not on Twitter, where my heavily curated and um, wonderful thank you to all the people that I follow and, and engage with on, on <laughs> for making that experience as positive as you do. Yes. Um, it was on Facebook, actually. Mm. And the, it was on Facebook, number one, with... Um, People who are not obvious baseball fans, um, people who are um, maybe more of like a wine ant kind of vibe. <laughs> that, like, you know, some of my wife's best friends and a woman uh, who's maybe 15, 20 years older than me who I used to work with, and like, and then those are the people at work, people who I'd never talked to about baseball before, and they were like, oh my God, this trade, what's going on? Um, just really upset. People are hurt. They love, love, loved Kevin Pillar. And uh, you get it, right? It's the, the catches yeah. are yeah. spectacular. And and that's what I said the day that trade was announced. And, and it's something that I definitely think that I've come around on. And I think I've been trying to, on uh, in particular on this show, um, while not burying him, I can finally lay down my shovel, but also acknowledging that he has, beyond the kind of cold, ghoulish reason and the gross desire to improve upon his production, 
Um, he has, through his play and through his demeanor, especially from those who are e- eager to overlook the uh, suspension and the comments that led to that suspension, um, a beloved beloved member of the Blue Jays, people who love the way that he went about his business. So those folks are mad, mad at the team, never going to spend my money on the team anymore, that sort of stuff, which you know is inevitable. And and that it, you you saw Atkins sort of address that aspect of the trade probably more than I expected with like, yeah, it's not going to never, it's never going to be popular. It's not, we're not trying to win popularity contests. We're trying to win baseball games. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was the reaction I saw. It was, it was strong. It was a very strong outward, uh, display of affection towards Kevin Pillar. Yeah. See, I don't use Facebook anymore. So that doesn't surprise me. And I actually did in my, you know, real life have people be like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Somebody wants to talk to you about uh, the Kevin Pillar trade, and it uh, the person they were referring to may or may not have re- have resembled the uh, the wine mom uh, description you gave earlier. Uh, and it, you know, I, I think it's smart of Atkins to you know not to not to be the great defender of these people, but it, it's part, smart probably to talk past the people like us who understand why they're doing it and the people who are listening to this and everybody who follows the team and follows the industry and follows the game who all understand why this is a move that they're going to do and to talk about it in terms of like the popularity contest because you know that you know no nobody here gives a shit about that i don't think right i mean i think everybody understands that that's a I, I can't call it a great move because I don't know what they've gotten back. I don't know what the other you know opportunities were, but mm-hmm. he was a guy who was uh, just an, a, a spare part at this point, he, despite the fact that he had uh, a, a much more prominent role. Uh, though that is, you know, that's not without uh, you know without meaning, and that you know that's and I think that connects to what you saw on Facebook and shit, because uh, did you see some of like Lindsay Adler's tweets earlier uh, today here on Thursday, just about uh, talking to somebody whose kid was like watching like, uh, like swing mechanics videos and like, mm-hmm. and like just, and, and, and I think if you followed some of that thread, there was also uh, somebody talking about, I, I think she said that the kid was like a baby when the Giants won the first World Series and two and four and is a huge uh, Buster Posey fan. And like it just like it like in a deep way, it means something to this, you know, this little person, uh, which is a, a thing that, you know, that's what Kevin Pollard means to, I think, a lot of people in Toronto who, you know, you could you know, casual fans is kind of like a pejorative, but like. You know, people who were like wanted to be interested in baseball, and uh, and 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 it, this is this is a very, you know, it's a it's a as visible a role player as you'll find, I think, right? Uh, and like you say, the legacy is complicated. The at bats were sometimes ugly, but uh, but yeah, he's a guy who's going to come back in ten years, you know, when his career's over and get a standing ovation like John McDonald did, or like a lot of other. Uh, Guys who just really, you know, I don't know, just added to the character of what the the team is and what the whole goddamn thing is about, uh, you know, this sport that we all watch. And yet, you know, I say that still a lot of people who will not be as forgiving, I think, uh, um, because that was an ugly incident. And that's, well, of uh, you know, and, has and to be acknowledged at least. 
that's the thing that I saw on Twitter more than anything was like good riddance people who from people who are, have not and would not um, simply just let that go, um, which, which I'm sure that sure. which yeah. is which is um, entirely their prerogative and and something that um, the day to day kind of grind of baseball and how just the time marching on um, makes it harder to hang on to that. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to just let yeah like whatever that happened in the past and he was contrite even though he wasn't you know years later when there was somebody was doing like a bit of an image rehab on his behalf but uh, yeah well, and it's, though, and it's, it's easy for it's easy for say us to you know i don't know not understand the experiences of of people that would you know look at that of course in a way where they're not you know not able to forgive it in the same way and that's you know the thing we should listen to and then, uh, I mean, yeah. I used the word tension earlier, and it's that's the sort of tension that someone, people um, like who are maybe listening to this show and also producing it, have that tension where we can talk. We're talking about the team on a, in a baseball sense, and we talk about Kevin Pillar as a baseball player and as a asset, and and, and, and that all the different ways that he fits into the baseball. <laughs> Another but, weird thing, yeah. But like, also, is that something that we are then to bring up every time, um, every time we talk about? Kevin Pillar, or is it going to color our feelings about him? Is it going to color the way that we provide analysis of such as we do? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I don't think that it's well, a we, could, we can do it. We can do it every time he gets traded, though, right? I think. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> I mean, this uh, is a, I this, is a big, this is this is the week where it's like write your here's Kevin Pillar's legacy in Toronto kind of piece. Absolutely, that's true. Which, um, I, which I haven't. Yeah. I will say that you are absolutely right in evoking the name of John McDonald. I think he does occupy that same sort of beloved space. And it's not the the sort of everyone loves to talk about, you know, Toronto loves underdogs and the kind of lunch pail guys. And um, I don't know that it's necessarily I don't know that I buy that by that, especially um, John McDonald. The difference between John McDonald is not just that that we like him more than Pilar. Um, because they do, and I, we do is, clearly. And I, I mean, I understand that people like Pilar in a maybe a similar way, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. Maybe, but maybe that's age, or maybe it's. But I doubt it. I don't know. I don't feel that our experience, your, uh, yours, <laughs> and my experience is very similar in that John McDonald was around when we were just like there at the games all the time for no particular reason, because yeah. we were you and I at that time were in our twenties uh, or so, and it was just kind of like. John McDonald's a distraction from a bad team where Kevin Pillar sort of has that. Uh, he he uh, got some some shine from the fact that the team was good and he was an integral part of a good team, which is nice. And so that's a nice combination in terms of being able to maintain that fuzzy space in the minds of, of so many fans because A, associating with good teams, B, associating with good memories and great catches and, and all that cool stuff. And the catch that he made in game five of the ALDS where that there was like a track. You could see the, the, the smear on the oh, yeah, curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. catch and it stayed there. People will always remember that stuff. And 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 for his faults and for his missteps, he will, you're absolutely right, always be beloved. He'll always be a Blue Jay. He'll always be someone who will come back. Um, Blue Jays fans, those, you know, those aggrieved, aggrieved by the move will um will have lots of opportunity, I'm sure, when his career is over. Um, his career, which in, in and of itself is sort of like a bit of an underdog and uh, is a, almost like a minor miracle in the baseball sense, given uh, 
what he was, what he came yeah. from, and his lack of prospect status. And I will say, the ultimate testament to Kevin Pillar is for how many years we've been trying to bury him on this show, <laughs> as an example, yeah. or just basically begging the team to upgrade on him, which is hard, and how the team every year essentially threw the doors open and said, someone please come and take this job. And they couldn't. Nobody could. No, not None of the outfielders that they've brought in, that they brought up, were able to unseat him such that it became a point where they just had to trade him in the first week of the season to get him out so they could have that space on the roster. I think for, that's For Socrates Brito, obviously. Well, yes. <laughs> How grim is that? But anyway, so congratulations, Kevin Pillar, on a, on a what I will describe now as storied Blue Jays career. Uh, I'm sure Blue Jays fans all wish you the best of luck in San Francisco. And then as you bounce around as a fourth outfielder looking for work, because you're old now. Your career is over, man. Sorry. Uh, that's just the economics of the game. They could pay someone nothing. They could. Why would they have you, a guy who can do things, a guy who can, who can um, evoke feelings from people when you can have a guy who's out of options and just keep him around just in case just in case so socrates <laughs> brito is the name um what well, i don't remember the details of this trade it, this was in the immediate aftermath i believe of the of the polar trade yeah and brito had been uh he's out of options he'd been dfa by the diamondbacks and the padres had picked him up and i think like three days later they tried to sneak him through waivers, and it, it did not work. Uh, I want to say, like, uh, <laughs> I want to fuck up somebody's name again, but I want to say it's like Rodrigo Orozco, some some prospect who I'm not super familiar with. Uh, oh, and I am correct, Rodrigo Orozco, uh, an outfielder. Um, I don't know. The Brito thing, it's interesting. Like, he's a, he is a fast human being. Uh, he hit really well last year in AAA, but it was like his fourth try at it, and I don't know where the Diamondbacks uh, AAA affiliate is off the top of my head, but I'm going to assume it very possibly a, uh, a hitter's park. Uh, and I think his BABIP was like 385, but part of that is his speed, but still that's, you know, uh, that's a little high. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting to me. So here's how it's interesting to me. So the, so, uh, the Jays are obviously giving him a chance. They're Sending Anthony Alford back down to Buffalo, uh, just to to not have not just immediately lose uh, Brito. Uh, there was uh, Brandon Drury talked about you know him. Uh, they were teammates at one point in the Diamondbacks organization. I think uh, Shelley Duncan was uh, the coach, the field coordinator or whatever the fuck his title is. The one of the coaches. Uh, came from Arizona and, and is a big fan of his as well. This is at least the spin that the uh, the front office and, and the people, the spokes folks uh, <laughs> have been putting on it. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting in that, one, he comes from Arizona like Drury did, where it's like the Jays maybe have a different valuation of prospects or of, of players than the Diamondbacks do. And they've made a bunch of trades with the Padres and they obviously have some, you know, maybe a little uh, different valuation there. Uh, they've made a couple of trades with the, the Cardinals as well. Uh, 
And that probably more than whatever the fuck Socrates Brito is going to be is maybe the interesting angle by which to approach this transaction. Because it's like, what, you know, what what do the Padres see in the guys the Jays are giving them that the Jays don't, and vice versa? I don't know. That is, um, that's an interesting perspective. I, I don't know. It, well, it's the, it's more it. interesting than what's Socrates Brito going to do. He's going to, you know, try to steal first a bunch and then get fucking DFA. That's true. <laughs> so I guess the bigger question is, why is that a more important gamble than to let Anthony Alford play in the big leagues every day? That's the thing that I don't understand. Um, and then I was so jo- Jonah Bierenbaum and I went for coffee and stuff yesterday. And we were talking about Dwight Smith Jr., right? Dwight Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. is uh, playing every day for the Orioles. And he looks the part of the guy that everyone, I think, was maybe afraid or wary of. Like, Dwight Smith Jr. is doing exactly what you thought Dwight Smith Jr. could do at the big league level, which is like, he can put the ball in play. He can probably hit for a decent average with no power and ably play the outfield. And... It's like, okay, so that's kind of the book on him. Not a lot of ceiling, but the Orioles are just looking to kind of keep the floor from plummeting through the earth. (laughs) Right. So it's a good fit for them. Maybe that's what the Blue Jays are doing, but why? I I just don't see why there's more value in a player. So I guess is the belief then that even though he has never hit in the big leagues, even though Zach Greinke has better offensive numbers than <laughs> does, is the belief that having such a fast player offers ceiling that evaluating Anthony Alford's ability to play at the big league level is less important. Like the ability to flex Anthony Alford's options and send him down to play in Buffalo on, on their opening day is more important, is less important than, uh, than just like, what if Brito can hit suddenly? I don't know. I just don't. I I don't get it. It it's such. It's like the weird sort of like that arbitrage. Yeah. Like just like maybe they can he can string together three months and then they can trade him again. Like well, but just, I I mean I I think that assumes that he's uh, static, right? Like that he's the which I think is not what the Jays would think in this scenario, right? Like I mean, like it it, it reminds me, uh, I, Billy McKinney is another why. Uh, Elvis Luciano is obviously a why, and uh, I don't know. They're obviously big believers in trying to uh, to get more out of players than. Uh, than the next organization, right? And and that's part of what we've seen in the coaching changes. That's why Dave Hudgens is here. That's why Guillermo Martinez is the hitting coach. Who, you know, he worked with Randall Gritchick, who I'm sure we'll talk about uh, Hudgens with the Astros, and uh, and why they are, you know, developing, you know, their own way of evaluating and looking at players and and looking at swing paths and and spin rates and all you know all this new stuff. I mean, I think. Uh, it's sort of like a new spin on the old thing where it's like, oh, well, our hitting coach, maybe, maybe we'll be able to figure him out. Uh, I like that in that way. And like just using him as an experiment to see if they can make changes and, you know, if they've seen something in them, in him that they were like, oh, if he does this, then maybe this will work. And, and, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's not a really compelling, uh, explanation. 
and, but it just uh, and yeah, like it's, it's just the why. The why I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. Other is, than that, is Anthony Alford not a bigger piece of the puzzle than than trying to bump these guys up along the margins of the roster? To me, it's a philosophical thing that I don't. I am having a hard time wrapping my head around, it, and I'm glad. Well, well, I'm glad Al- that you understand. Alfred didn't. Alfred didn't hit his way out of AAA, though, right? Like, I mean, he had a nice spring training, but, like, he didn't – he wasn't great last year. Like, I don't know that he needs to No, be. that's true. But, like, at some point, they need to – so is the – so then your suggestion is then that Anthony Alfred needs to prove that he can hit at the AAA level before giving the opportunity to hit at the big league level? couldn't hurt and i think you know yeah, that, goes into, that goes into the calculation along with the fact that he can be optioned and, and brito can't and it's you know it's just a a you know weird narrow arbitrage thing about asset management like you were saying it is that and it and it i don't know i don't know if off-putting is the word <laughs> but it's Maybe. just i i guess it is a fundamental difference in the way that I have come to understand player development as a person who's not a player development person. So I, my understanding of that can be based in not any fact and, and, and born of ignorance and ignorance alone. So I'm willing to cop to that. But it just seems like, okay, we're going to clear the deck a little bit to give this guy a chance or these guys a chance to play. It means we're going to give Billy McKinney a chance to play. We're going to give a chance for um, Randall Gizek to play some center field, whatever it might be. Um, but then to have this burrito thing sort of like snuck in under the wire and, and sort of slapped on to that <laughs> available roster spot is just a, it's a bit of a head scratcher for me. And it's easy for fans and or those of us in the professional journalism media to on, to be on the sidelines and think like, well, the burrito sucks. Like, this is what he is. Why bother? You're wasting everyone's time. It's more entertaining and it's more worthwhile to take a guy that you assign a big bonus to and and uh, and see what you can get like throw him in the in, into the deep end and uh, let him go but maybe that isn't the best um, way to develop players to build a winning team but the the, the little micro transactions sort of yeah that that doesn't <laughs> seem like an especially strong way to build a winning team either but I'm uh, you know I'm happy to be prove, proven wrong five years from now when when they can je- broadly gesture be like all of these pieces matter the trade tree has many strong branches and we rest the babes in the boughs of the trade tree when the blue jays win 85 games <laughs> instead of 75 games I don't know. well yeah no i and i i don't know if it was i saw somebody talking on twitter about the uh, the orioles this week i don't know if it was about not re-signing adam jones but uh, but just the idea that you know if you try if you just try to put an entertaining product on the field and win like you know seventy games instead of like forty five, like the difference is probably the difference between 70, 70 and forty five is going to be like a marginally better prospect five years from now, mm-hmm. and it's like is that a worthwhile trade off for? Just having a complete dog shit year where nobody gives a fuck and and you you know, it, it it's just it's just completely pointless and everybody acknowledges it. Well, now we've um, gone into a, diff- a bit of a different debate. Which, yes, for which sure. Is, yeah. Does anyone care that base the baseball teams don't care that no one cares? 
Um, and I believe that David uh, Roth wrote something interesting about this on Deadspin a few weeks back. But it's yes, like yeah. the Blue Jays, the baseball decision makers don't necessarily have to include that in their calculus. And which is comes back to what Ross Atkins was saying about Kevin Pillar, but it's not just about crowd pleasing, but like there, there is a balance I think to strike between sign doing things for the sake of doing them. Like there are legitimate baseball reasons, even in the most rudimentary sense of to, for why you would trade Kevin Pillar. And it's, if it's to open opportunities for the other players that you're trying to establish who they are, what they are, what they can be, if they can be a part of the next good Blue Jays team, if they can be part of at least fielding a quasi-competitive team, at least trying to go out there and and win a few games, um, you know, versus this sort of like really marginal increase in upgrades. But then the other side of that is people talking about uh, the ticket sales. So the ticket sales have not been strong other than the opening day, um, not just in, in Toronto, but around the league. But then And then the, there was someone I saw was interviewing uh, someone who's unnamed, and I won't say their outlet, but they were interviewing Steve Phillips on TV, and uh, and and it was like, oh, you know, the, the attendance is really low. Is like the Kevin Pillar trade the reason? Well, no, the Kevin Pillar trade is not the reason. <laughs> there are nine thousand or twelve thousand people that have bought tickets for the third game of the year, because those tickets have been sold for months. There's no walk-up. It's not like people are like, oh, it's April, it's March 31st. Let's wander down to the Rogers Center to watch Kevin Pillar play. That's never. That's not the way that it works. No. It's, but maybe there's an element of like if you piss that person off because a the team sucks and is could barely score more than a run a game when so it comes down to August and they're like should we go down to the Jays game and they're like no I don't want to do that fuck the Jays they traded Kevin Pillar and they suck those are the things that that they don't have to worry about right now it doesn't seem like teams don't care if that person comes or goes or, or frankly lives or dies so well it's not that the, I it's I don't know that it's that they don't have to worry about it but just in their calculation. They don't have to worry about it. Maybe that is a blind spot that they have. It feels like it on the other side that, like, you know, you're losing something uh, by not engaging and having something, you know, a product that fans care about. Uh, it feels like they might be, you know, missing the boat on that, and and that that is maybe the maybe that's the uh, the next market <laughs> inefficiency is uh, actually giving a shit. And trying to put a product on the field and trying to like you know in a, just in a long term way, uh, just even thinking about it like it is it is pretty cavalier how teams have been uh, just disregarding uh, a whole season of play. Uh, like that's a summer to people. Like it's a, it's you know it's a it's a, there, there's a reason that people connect with games and with sports, right? You know, I don't know. Are you gonna be are you trying to be NASCAR like? Uh, it's not unheard of to have sports just fucking fade away. We've talked about this on here before. And I don't People to, to go away and not come back. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't other... think baseball's in danger of that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if nobody thinks about that sort of stuff, because uh, I don't think they do. I think they think about it in terms of the like the their competitive cycles. Uh, well, I I feel as though there needs to be a church and state situation. Uh, within the front office of any professional sports team, which is let the baseball people make baseball decisions as best they can understand, but also having the sort of, this is a product that we're selling to the public in good faith, hopefully, inform some of those decisions. 
where if you're the Orioles, for example, it's like, what's the harm in signing Adam Jones to play for us for one more year? Um, there is no harm in that because he's a fan favorite that you can bring back and make the team marginally better. Uh, the Orioles, with no prospects of which to speak, are running Dwight Smith out there every day because they need someone to be decent, and he can do that. Um, if anything, and maybe kept, if Adam Jones doesn't want to sign that trade, doesn't want to sign that deal because he doesn't want to get traded in the middle of the season. Of course, he he used his no trade clause last year, for example. But but anyway, this is another kind of greater mm. philosophical debate. As we we've done to too down, often, yeah. As we've done too often. <laughs> so let's move on to the Randall Grichik extension, which followed. Mm-hmm. The Kevin Pilar news uh, not long after that Randall Gritchick signed a uh, five-year and $52 million contract extension um, with the Toronto Blue Jays, a deal that he kind of confessed was in the works for a few weeks and having talks and conversations. Um, it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, and and the st- I still have – you still get sticker shock when if you're a sports <laughs> fan. You're like, whoa, $52 million is a lot of money. But then you look at the way that that contract is structured where, where Randall Grichik has like voluntarily signed up to make less than $10 million three years in a row in the last three years of the deal. And I can only help but think like, wow, that is not a lot of baseball <laughs> money. <laughs> it, yeah, it really isn't. And, I mean, free agency is just so like irreparably destroyed. Uh that it's going to be hard for that. It's rational. Baseball agency <laughs> is very rational now. Well, it's like they they have so much money coming off the books. I mean, I know they obviously have to pay uh, guys in arbitration, pre-arb guys, like down the line. But like next year, I think it's it's down to like uh, eighteen million dollars, and then it's it's like nine million the next the year after that, and then four, and then zero, uh, which is sort of the end of the Tulo and uh, mm-hmm. and Russell Martin contracts. Uh, you know, they just they, they had a $160 million payroll, like, yesterday, like, not that long ago. Uh, hey, with, and... the, with, with the Pilar <laughs> trade, they are, they've almost reached that equilibrium between yeah. <laughs> paying, paying for the active roster and paying for guys to be uh, somewhere else. So, so dare to dream. It's all out there. If, 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 this, if they trade Justin Smoke, you could, we might just see it. But here, I mean, but, like, they just, they have so much money that they could spend, theoretically, and you're starting to see the less and less, like, where they're going to spend it on. Um, so, yeah, if they were, you know, I, I I said to somebody on Twitter who was kind of disappointed in, in the deal, I'm like, you know, if, if you believe in the changes that he made last year and think that that's a real thing, uh, it probably looks like it could be a, a good deal. Or he doesn't even have to be that good. He can, you know, uh, just be a little better than he's been as his, you know, on his career uh, average-wise. Uh, not batting average, but just you know across the board. Uh, and if you don't think he, he's going to be that, then uh, it's probably a little disappointing. But it's like not that much of an overreach. I mean, it's a it's a guy who can play center field for now for a couple more years or at least another year probably, uh, and just not that much baseball money for a team that it's not going to stop them from being able to do anything. It is a shockingly little amount of baseball money, is what it is. They're paying him to be basically a below average player. But yeah, that is, if, if you look at it and you and you use that sort of, um, you know, win versus or the dollar versus production sort of on a dollar versus production basis, they're paying him to be a below average player in almost every conceivable way, which is, um, you know, I, I saw somebody being like, "Oh, the back end of that contract's probably not going to be too pretty. Like, will he even be a regular still?" And it's like, does it matter? Yeah, like the <laughs> Blue Jays can 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 
They just ate, buy they it. Just ate Kendrys Morales' contract. They just ate Russell Martin's contract. Like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And he's a young enough guy, and, and he has shown himself to... He, he, there's, he is who he is. He's not going to suddenly run like a 15% walk rate and with a 380 on base. I mean, he's going to be... He's a high <laughs> he's probably an, He's an average player getting play, paid like a slightly below average player. Yeah, he, he he is a player who has traded a little, traded the 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 guaranteed dollars and long term longer term security for for getting less than he theoretically could get in a truly rational uh, um, uh, uh, market that is what's like I, I can't think of the word, but uh, he he has made that exchange, which is which yeah. is fun. They, it's. You're seeing it over and over again because the owners won. Like, there's no disputing that now. When Ronald Acuna signs that the deal that he signed, like Jesus, they yeah. would rather do anything but go to the free market. Um, Which, I mean, yeah. yeah, hard to blame uh, them. Hard to blame them. I mean, this has been a thing for I don't know. I remember talking about this for years about like oh. Uh, about how the Blue Jays should be able to use their money to, you know, uh, make these guys make guys offers that they they can't refuse, uh, and they've just sort of the teams have systematically uh, been tighter and tighter and tighter at the margins of stuff like that, and have not you know have stopped doing it, and uh, and yeah, it's 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 bizarre, and it, it you feel like it's bad and wrong for the sport, and uh, that that. Uh, you know the the that the the money might not be there for somebody who is that good, but they're obviously you know terrified of going to free agency because it's just uh, it's it's too big a risk. And uh, and, and Grichik, you know, in his own little way, kind of fits into that. I mean, it's just it's a, if a deal makes financial sense for him, then he's going to do it. And I think that's been a, a like I say, it's been a, a topic for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. among us and people. And 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 for a long time, it's kind of been like, oh, well, why aren't these guys signing deals that, like, you know, I'd sign a twenty million dollar deal and not, you know, risk, you know, if Josh Donaldson, you know, I would I would sign, uh, you know, a hundred fifty million dollar deal and not risk going into into free agency, uh, even though there's a chance I could get three hundred million, which I, I believe he didn't. Uh, you know, that's always sort of felt to a normal person who can hardly comprehend the baseball economy. Uh, that seems to have always made sense. Uh, and and it I looks like now they've ruined free agency so much that it, it's finally starting to make sense to players. too. Well, and there's, there's an aspect of it that uh, I saw some people discussing, which is because of the nature of the way that, that all these things have gone for so long, um, we're not we're, we're we've kind of become conditioned to like the you know there's been a movement it's okay like albert pujols earned that money right albert pujols earned the money that he's making now in the early stage of his career but the fact that he's out there looking like so bad so so yeah. so bad <laughs> and earning a lot of money if there's less of that in the game at some point, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You want the guys to to get what they earn and be paid to for how they produce. And if there's a, any way to shift that to earlier in their career when they are more productive and have their pay be more reflective of what it is that they are 
earning in the moment, that's not a bad thing. But yeah. the system is right now tilted so far where even if you are, a, you know, Acuna is so young and uh, so great and he's going to be earning more than he would have had he waited or tried to wander through the arbitration weeds, he's still obviously significantly overproducing um, for his contract. But it's, it's definitely it's definitely something that's easier to stomach. And we've been trying to, like, bring this a fan-centered mindset, I think, to this show and not just been, like, ghoulishly, you know, regurgitating front office speak. Well, yeah, but, re- recently, yeah. <laughs> recently, yeah. There's a, don't go back to the archives if you're, if you're worried about that. But, but I think that, again, maybe a move away from dead money, or, or guys being truly dead money, but because but it's it's uh, the under the uh, previous sort of good, not good faith, but sort of wink and nudge, like, yeah, I'm going to rob you in the beginning, you'll rob me in the end. But uh, maybe a move away from that yeah. isn't the worst thing for the game. Well, and at also, the same time, not it's not a it's not a bad thing. Albert Pujols making that much money, Robinson Cano making that much money, Miguel Cabrera looking fully washed, making that much money. <laughs> at no point is that a bad thing for the game. No, Just and the I, fact I that mean, some fans might be uncomfortable with it isn't necessarily a reflection of the state of the game. And I think what the the some of these extensions reflect is not necessarily that. You know, you say, oh, people are afraid of free agency. I, I believe I just said it. Uh, but it's it's these guys not, you know, the, the money, there, there's the the percentage of revenues uh, that go back into the players will probably, you know, it, it it may go lower. It may, you know, I, we don't know. But, but at some point there's going to be a market correction and it's probably going to be around when that CBA is. Uh, and it, it, the extensions that we've seen are guys who seem to probably understand that when they come up for air after that CBA has changed, if the market has changed, then they, they will have already been sold out as 31-year-olds, as 29, 30-year-olds, 32-year-olds, uh, you know, after whatever changes have to happen, happen. I hope that made a little bit of sense. Uh, you know, like if you're Ronald Lacuna, it, it it does seem like an absurd uh, amount of money to take, but he's obviously mitigating it. You know, there's there's risk that he wouldn't make any money, you know, anywhere like that. But there's also risk that, you know, in the coming years, they are going to fix the economic structure of the game so that younger guys do get paid more. Uh, and he's sort of part of the last cohort where that's not the case. So he might as well get his because he's probably not going to get it you know, when he's 30 years old either. I don't think it's unfair, but I definitely, the last word on this is that um, the Mike, Mike, all of the work that, all of the stuff that has been going on, all of the suppression of, of pay, whatever, however you want to look at it, um, that Mike Trout took, signed that deal that he signed is like, they should, all the owners are probably popping champagne bottles because that <laughs> like the ultimate, like they've won. Right, like there's that that deal in in terms of just uh, I know it's a huge amount of money, but and and it could all go away tomorrow, but whatever. But that is the that is what they've been striving for all along. I really think is like to get someone to leave so much money on the on the table, um, and uh, they've won. Now enough, enough. Nobody wants to hear us talk about this anymore. So, so whatever time this is of the show. This is what part people can skip to because we could talk, talk about the team now in 2019 on the field. They played a week worth of games, and guess what? They can't fucking hit. None of them. They're trash. They get no <laughs> hit for the first two times through the order. 
The third time in the order penalty when you play the Blue Jays is finally you will allow a hit. Um, other than when Randall gets to get two home runs the day that he signed his contract, which is uh, a nice thing to do. Good way to keep your name in the in, in the uh, uh, at the front of the mind. But um, yeah, the offense is not looking great. Um, I, no. I, I I have my theories, mm-hmm. but I'm going to float one to you. Okay. Why the team uh, is is not hitting? Um, they don't have very many good players. That's probably the biggest reason I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's only been a week, so it's not like we can look at in a statistical way, like, oh, you know, Dan- like, like Danny Jansen is going to be fine, right? Danny Jansen hasn't yeah. hit at all. He'll be fine. Um, you know, Brandon Jury had some nice at-bats and hit some looks look pretty spry out there. Uh, Brandon Jury, if he plays well, it's going to be a problem because, like, is he really going to move? He doesn't look like he doesn't look like a second baseman to me. He does not. There's no second base vibe coming off of him whatsoever. I've heard he's okay at second base, but yeah, I'll be curious to see more of it. He just looks like a third baseman. You kind of play it, you know. Game sort of suits it, but um, well, but here's, yeah, like, I mean, here, here's the thing. Here's a question that I had as you were talking about how bad the Blue Jays are. Um, how many members of the Blue Jays' 25 man roster would? Be on the Astros 25-man roster. Well, it's low. The number is low. <laughs> like, like Randall Gritchick isn't isn't a starting player on the Astros in particular, right? Probably. Nor is Teoscar Hernandez or Billy McKinney. Teoscar Hernandez. I don't know about that. I think maybe he could crack the Astros roster. Yeah, you know, well, that's a, that is actually true. They may they may regret that a little Recent bit. Recent history notwithstanding. No, but uh, <laughs> that that's a fair point. Now, the, now, that's how you are a bad team, and 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 that is the. So I think that. Sorry, what am I trying to say? The old first division, second division sort of yeah. scout designation. The Blue Jays right now are a second division team full of second division players and worse. There yeah. are some guys on the team who are who are being evaluated or who have been given opportunities who are definitely in uh, a need to demonstrate that they are in fact second division players. They need to show that they can be good. They can play on a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the true quad a guys, the sort of up and down, but, uh, but there are a few of those guys like, you know, Justin smoke isn't necessarily a second division guy, but he's, he's a, He's a more than competent everyday baseball player. He could play, he could play on most teams. He could just as well could walk on and play on the Red Sox today, I think, because of his position. Um, yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, I mean, Steve Pierce isn't great. Yeah. Well, he got paid though, <laughs> uh, and the Red Sox have, you know, or the Yankees, for example, have holes at at first base. But that's I heard the, they have they, one at shortstop also. All around the diamond, third base, future Yankee Chris <laughs> Bryant, by the way. Uh, future the Yankee, Yankees are all uh, Brandon guys Drury, can, yeah. Future Yankee Brandon Drury. There you go. Yeah, there are a lot of guys they can they can wait for to pay, so they can have to look for ones they can trade for. But, um, yeah, I mean the the offense just doesn't look good because there's got a few you know guys who will be fine, guys who are who are what they are, who are in or around league average hitters. You know, uh, Drury maybe hopefully could be more than that. Um, uh, David Jansen, Smoke, uh, you know Hernandez. Richick and whoever else, those are like the league averageish guys that you're hoping for. But then there's the other ones who are worse, right? The other players, Galvez is never going to be a league average hitter. He looks like the best hitter of the bunch right now. Mm-hmm. Drawing walks, hitting line drives, breaking up no hitters. 
And then there's the Guriel thing, which is I I've been trying to like dance around a little bit. Um, he looks fucking awful. It has been really bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. One wonders how long he lasts. I mean, if, when Vlad comes up, isn't he? I mean, I guess they have Alan Hansen on the roster right now. Uh, but no, like Guriel seems like a guy who could maybe use some time at AAA. Except where where are you playing him? Because you have Biggio and Bichette there. It was smart of them to schedule uh, Guriel's bobblehead on uh, April 28th. Maybe they could have just (laughs) shaved the two off of there somehow and like see if they can maybe move it up a little bit more. I'm I'm wary of the fact they might not they might not get there. Yeah, no, that's fair. But you know, as we learned from the uh, um, who was the reliever with the barbecue apron. (laughs) <laughs> from Who Syracuse, was what was his name? This is ridiculous. We should know the name of this man. Jason Greeley. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As we learned from that episode, they will let the marketing department make roster decisions and, and keep him around until the 28th, and then he'll go down on the 29th. <laughs> Blue Jays fever. Catch it. Um, but, yeah, there are now. So we've talked about the negatives, which is the offense, which looks rough. They almost got no hit by the Indians and uh, by Cleveland, sorry. And, uh, and Trevor Bauer tonight. Uh, Bauer, who looks pretty good, and uh, whatever, fuck him. But uh, uh, the pitching staff, on the other, ha- on the other hand, is uh, pretty encouraging. Uh, Matt Shoemaker looking awesome. Matt, uh, Mark Stroman looking awesome. Aaron Sanchez looking very good, in fact. I will happily eat those words, the many, many, many that I've used to um, drag him. Uh, Trent Thornton looking nice in his big league game. Oh, he was great, yeah. Um, the bullpen, Ken Giles is a fucking monster. Uh, unbelievably unhittable. How'd they get that guy anyway? <laughs> There's some other, for some scumbag, it doesn't even matter. It's great. But yeah, no, Giles is great. Ken Giles has been really good. And it's really interesting to watch him pitch. Um, and I was really noticing it uh, in a couple of his outings. Is he, ha- he basically pitches backwards. Like, this is the state of baseball. Right now, Ken Giles is a two-pitch guy. He throws a slider and a fastball. He throws 98 miles an hour. And he, this year, he's thrown more sliders than fastballs. Or you would ordinarily think, like, wow, you throw that hard, just throw it every time. They're not going to really hit it. But now he it's he pitches off the slider, and you're afraid of the fastball looming in the background. Where it's like 2-1, and he's throwing you a slider. And then if you're the batter, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> And now it's 2-2, and it's like, oh, well, now he'll throw the 98-mile-an-hour fastball to letters that I'll be unable to miss or to lay off of, or the slider. Um, it's been really good, and it's nice to see him pitching well, and uh, obviously there's, like, that weird safe situation, non-safe situation thing that hopefully you will have shaken, um, given, you know, the random variation of the universe. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm not usually one to, like, uh, lobby for trades, but he's definitely the guy that, is the he's most with the most value who could also it could and should be traded um, given the right package as the season wears on. Yeah, I think that's probably correct. Yeah, uh, he's also a maniac. <laughs> um, well, yes, <laughs> which doesn't make it makes it easy to to kind of run him out of town. But um, uh, the other one, the only one I think that people are, are like Daniel Hudson, not not make not winning a lot of fans in the early going. Never, Not so much, never, no. never give up a home run on opening day. You'll, it'll haunt you for your entire tenure. The old Sergio Santos uh, syndrome. 
course. So I don't know if he get, did he give up a home run. I don't know. He gave up like you know he he's a little hittable as I recall that time. He was the closer. How wild is that to go back and and think about the, uh, those days? But um, but yeah, uh, to me the most encouraging thing is Stroman in particular, um, looking like a prime extension candidate all the while. Mm-hmm. Extend him, you cowards. <laughs> Strowman uh, got to be hearing those footsteps you know, as an old man going into free agency. Get that money, get it, and sign it. But um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts watching this team in the early going? Is there um, anything that jumps out to you? The defense looks better because it couldn't be worse. Basically, yeah. I mean, teoscar has got the the glasses, which are not prescription apparently, but they are they're tinted to help uh, his eyes. Uh, not have such a contrast with the with the lights apparently. Um, yeah, I don't know. What stands out is that it's nice that it, like there's just no stakes, right? I mean that people aren't just shitting their fucking diapers every time they lose. It's kind of like you know, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're just gonna we're gonna watch a baseball game for the sake of watching a baseball game, and it doesn't matter. And we all know and agree, and that's why like 15 people show up. Because that's that's the number of people that are basically entertained by shit like that. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. The pitching's been real nice. I think the hitting's been garbage. That's uh, that's my deep analysis, and uh, I I assume though neither will uh, uh, will quite go on the same way. It'll be more fun later in the year, fingers crossed, when the stakes are the same, but there is like Vlad and hopefully. Bow to watch along with it. Yeah. Where that's nice. something that you can invest in and invest in the at-bats and really kind of live and die with those pitches because you would just want to see them do well. You want to see them hit. And like that's the sort of thing that you're uh, paying your money to see at that point. Yeah, no, nobody's really like, you know, it would be nice if Jay Oscar turned into something good, but nobody's like living and dying on his at-bats. Like, oh, no, he might not be good. It's like, yeah, that's everybody understands that that's a huge possibility. Uh, but with the with the bows and the Vlads, it's gonna there will be uh, some skin in the game, yeah. One thing that I have been very excited by so far is the base running. Oh, as you, as you would, yeah, absolutely. they're crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they are evoking memories of that those uh, woebegone uh, Padres teams that just ran for the sake of doing it. Sign me up. Give me all you got, even if you are. You know, dead done dead to rights. Like, um, like, like poor, really Lourdes Gurriel. Poor Lourdes Gurriel can do nothing yeah. right this season. <laughs> he can't field, he can't hit, and he gets keeps making outs on the bases. It's uh, not a great time to be uh, Lourdes, but I'm sure he'll come around. Right? Guys that never walk and always strike out, they have <laughs> those things tend to work out in their favor in the end. Abby Baez, yeah, that's what he, he's the poor man's. Abby Baez is the only good player on the Cubs now. They're done, they're cooked. Every player, trade them all on the Cubs. Blow it up. Madden gone. Chris Bryant gone. Trade to the Yankees. But Happy Bias is the one that will stand tall. Yeah, this, so is, this is unorthodox, but here's what I think should happen. Mm. Is that uh, uh, Joe Madden and Mike Babcock should uh, switch jobs. <laughs> My thing, I was joking about it with the Brandon from The Score, who's like the baseball editor over there, yeah. was like that... Um, Joe Madden and Dave Martinez are both going to get fired. 
So they're going to go and manage in the Atlantic League with all their weird trick gimmick <laughs> ratchet rules. And it's just going to be the two of them like playing jazz all day long. They're going to manage in the in the Atlantic League and just like switching pitchers to the catcher and center yeah. fielders going to come in to play like six infielders and five outfielders. <laughs> just the two of them just smelling their own farts in the Atlantic League for the rest of the summer. That's what I want to see. Mostly because I want to see them. I want well, oh, because because my theory that I cooked up one day and now believe it to be true is that um, Dave Martinez is going to get fired. From Washington, he's like way out of his depth, and the team hates him, and the fan base fucking loathes him. And the bullpen management is a bad fit; like they, they cannot manage the bullpen, which is a bit of a dicey proposition given who, who's back there. Now, if you were a team owner and you had paid your own manager to go away, you already gave him a contract. Now you've paid him to go not be the manager. So you need a low cost kind of established baseball man who can manage a good bullpen. Can you think of anyone who might fit that description, Stoughton? Yeah, I think I can think of one man, yeah. One man, one hero. John Gibbons <laughs> comes riding in to D.C. Is he low cost, though? Because he's he's probably under contract this year, right? So and so he's low cost. He's already getting paid. So be like, all right, here you go, Gibby. Come and finish the year. We'll, you know, you've already got paid from the Jays. We'll give you a little bit more. And if everything goes well, then we'll then we'll then we'll talk for 2020. Does it work that way? Does it not? I mean, I assumed that if he takes another job, then the Blue Jays will probably stop paying him. Oh, I don't. I I never thought That's about it too much, question. to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, but because I don't want to think about it, I want I want to see John Gibbons in that red fucking jacket walking out on thanks Canadian Thanksgiving, giving the finger guns to. Uh, whatever shit bags in that bullpen to just completely have things unravel like they always do for the Washington Nationals. But I do also, that that I am excited by, but also excited for um, the world's reddest ass Max Scherzer to like <laughs> explode on the mound, literally explode like into a thousand pieces, blood, gore, viscera everywhere because Max Scherzer has worked himself into such a frenzy and John Gibbons like won't, won't take the bait. <laughs> like he's trying it's to antagonize. It's a good situation. Like, it's a good situation for him, though. It really is. Calmer than you are, man. That's I'd love to see it. <laughs> all right, I think that's about it for this edition of Birds All Day. We've already found John Gibbons a new job. I think that is, um, you know, noble work about, uh, on which we can go out. So, uh, of course, you can continue reading Interstone at the Athletic. Um, and if, as, as Vlad grinds back to life, you will hopefully see uh, another edition of the uh, Vlad Religion, Vlad Guerrero newsletter in your inbox. And I uh, got another video in the works, I think. So hopefully that will show up one day soon. What do you think? You got anything else to add? Anything no, to that, sounds, that sounds right. Hopefully one of those videos does show up. That'd be nice. Yeah. I shot some B-roll at a candy show on the weekend, so I <laughs> so, uh, I went to a hardcore show. It was fun. Um, but that's it. So for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fair, so Fair Service. We will talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs> <laughs>